Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. We're in week three of a series, and I told you at the beginning of the year that our theme is rhythms, a year of Sabbath rhythm, and that it's not something we're going to add into our day, right, but it's something that we're going to step into, that the Lord has, he's already working, he's already moving, he's already depositing rest, and so really Sabbath, the rhythm of the kingdom is all about, let's get in his pace, his pace. And last week, if you were with us, I I sort of uh, talked a little bit more on fasting because we are, as well as casting the vision of rhythms, we are also in a month of, uh, well, not a month, 21 days of fasting this month. And so there has been many of you who've decided uh, to cut out, whether it's whole meals, whether it's uh, multiple meals a day, whether it's it's just a specific food item, uh, you have been fasting. And it has been really amazing to hear the stories of So last week, I I left you with this main point, and I just want to bring it back to us. I told you last week that the rhythm of the fast, it teaches us how to own our limitations, right, and to exercise our authority. The rhythm of the fast. You remember we talked about that, and last week was all about uh, limiting our, or knowing our limitations. And so if you were with us last week, we we said that... uh, The fasting teaches us this truth that I am finite, I am not able, and everything in the flesh says that I should be able, but it's actually in the kingdom of God where I learn that I'm not able, and he is more than enough, that in my weakness, his strength comes. And I told you all about this limiting of uh, owning your limitations, that it's when I actually decide to be human, who I really am that then the the outpouring of the Father is for me. He's not for this fake version of me that has to be strong. That's That's not what Jesus came to die for. Jesus at the right time came for the ungodly, the weak, the unable, the wretched. And so as we step into who he made us to be, the finite nature, weak, anxious, eager, weary, Then we get to hear his call saying, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. And so that was last week. And and honestly, there's multiple people in scripture who fast, and each of them have to do this. Uh, If you know like Jesus in the fast, for 40 days he fasted. He became weak, right, hungry. And and Jesus knew that that not just am I going to be hungry and temptation is going to come, but literally the devil came in those 40 days, and he had to really own his limitations. What is my bread of life? What is my, my, my reason, my meaning. I mean, we see Daniel in scripture taking these limitations and saying, I will choose to not eat what Babylon eats, but I'm going to eat only vegetables. I'm going to eat what the Lord speaks. I'm going to resolve. And he had to own his limitations. And then today we're getting into that second half, the exercising our authority, which if you read a bit more, we're going to call it something about our desires. Because each of those people not only had to limit their own their limitations, but Jesus, when the enemy came, he had to claim some authority. Because the enemy said, uh, if you really are the son of man and you're hungry, why don't you turn this stone into bread for you? And he had to stand and say, no, 
Man shall not live on bread alone. We, have, we see Daniel having to take a stand and resolve, and from that, he gets the wisdom of the Lord. And, and it's just this beautiful pushback and back and forth of owning our limitations, and then we get to exercise our authority. And so we're going to categorize it, simplify, simplify it into one phrase. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. It says, we exercise our divine authority by seizing desires. Seizing desires. And if you, uh, that word is a little interesting. I get it, seizing desires. But we're going to talk about seizing desires all morning. Because the greatest way that you and I exercise our God-given authority is by seizing desires. And it's actually a two-fold perspective we're going to take from that. Because, um, you know, in the English language, we never just want one definition for a word. We like multiple definitions. Anyone know that? Like, it, our English language is so weird that one word could mean this, and another, another meaning of it could mean completely separate things. And so we're going to do a little double, double meaning for this word seizing today. In fact, there's two uh, different ideas. On one side, seizing means to command, to overrun, to force, as you see in that. But on the other side, uh, seizing can also mean, if you want to put that up, to take initiative, to to have force. Uh, to take possession of. And, and it's really interesting when you see this. We got seizing where it means to command something, like to overrun it. I'm seizing it. And then seizing is like seize the day, capture it, take possession of it, own it. And so there's these two ideas. Capture it, control it, kill it, and own it. That we're going to get in on as we seize desires. And you're like, I don't, I don't, what? We're going to sit in this. And the reason we're doing this twofold is because in Jesus, there's a dynamic that we're always doing. We're always moving out of death and into life. The scriptures are all about this. There's a twofold action that I do every day, that I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, that every day I put to death the flesh, and I stand in life. In fact, like Paul goes so far to even say, we who are alive, we are constantly being delivered over to death for the sake of Jesus so that his life will be in me. And so quite literally, as believers, the more I unite myself with the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, is the more I step into the life of Jesus. And so because there's always, every day I have to die and live, every day I'm going to have to seize things of the death, my old self, and I'm going to have to seize the desires of the new self. You, you check in with me? I'm going to have to exercise authority and seize the old self, which means I'm going to have to command it, overrun it, force it. And then I'm going to have to seize the desires of the spirit, which means I'm going to take possession of. I'm going to take control of. I'm going to move forward with, take initiative in. Is this making sense? Now you can see we're going to operate in this twofold the whole morning, and I'm really excited to dive into it because uh, we're going to be sitting in 
submitting under, we can say, um, you know, uh, literally getting our breath from Galatians chapter 5 and 6, okay? So if you want to open up to that, we're literally just sitting in, this is like my wheelhouse kind of teaching, if you know anything about me, like give me a passage to preach on, and we're going into it. Okay, so that's what we're doing today. Uh, it's not a topical, we're, we're just saying, okay, this idea of out of death and into life, the idea of, of taking and exercising our authority of our old self and exercising our authority as being a new creation. Let's see what Paul has to say for us, all right? So verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has made you free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not be submitting again to a yoke of slavery. Literally, it is for freedom in this life that Christ has come. So now do not be back there in the old self. So stand firm in the new one. He's already setting this where you are versus where you were. And we're going to skip down. And then we're going to go from 16 all the way to verse 10 of chapter 6. Are you ready? Woo, here we go. Skipping down to 16, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself, it sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit sets its desire against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Verse 18, though, but if you are led by the Spirit of the mighty God, you are not under the law. So we're going to sit here for a bit, like uh, walk by the Spirit, it says, like, I wanted you to move, behave, conduct yourself by the Spirit of the Lord according to Him. And in doing so, Paul says, the desires of the flesh, the desires of your flesh will be quieted. They will not be carried out. They will cease. We could say they will be seized, right? There you go. The desires of the flesh will be seized as we sit in and move by the Spirit. For the flesh, it sets its desire. Isn't that interesting? It sets its desire against the Spirit. Now, I chose, um, I never do this, but I'm actually preaching. Those of you who are a little bit nerdy with translations, I'm preaching from the NASB today, all right? The NASB. I never do that. I, I sometimes like to learn from it, but my favorite is the NRSV. But I chose this. It's a little confusing on wording. It's because it's the NASB. The NASB is the most word-for-word, word, literally word-for-word word translation of Scripture. And so I chose this because it's really interesting. What I've memorized says that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. But the real wording is the flesh's desires, it sets its desire against the spirit. Now, the difference is this. It's not just that the flesh wants things that are against the spirit. No, the flesh wants to be against the spirit. You see the difference in that? Oh, the flesh does not just set its desires and wants things that are contrary to the Spirit. No, the, the flesh literally wants to be contrary to the Spirit. And so out of that, the flesh begins to do things. Out of despite, like literally, it's the child who you know just wants to be against you. Do you ever you remember, remember that? Like I was at the, I worked at a boys and girls club, and there's just that one child who like sets themselves to be against you, no matter what you do. That's what the flesh does. 
Everything then flows in contrary, but the same is true. Our God is so good, his ways are so mighty, his acts are so powerful, but his acts, his goodness sets itself against the sinful nature. It, he, his power is against the flesh. His heart is for the man that he made. His heart is against the sin nature. And so it's really interesting as we get into this more and more, what, what God is, is, is diving into us, because we feel then this push and pull. I mean, he continues, These, this opposition is a good thing. And you're like, why is it a good thing? <laughs> because you, you know this, when we sin, anyone feel like really bad about it instantly? Or you just, uh, you feel that, 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 that pit in the, the bottom of your stomach, it's just aching and turning. The Lord is saying, I've given you the spirit that is in opposition to the things of the flesh so that you know and you may not do the things that your flesh wants. And so quite literally, I'm making this opposition happen in you so that you can decide what you want. You can either decide the flesh or you can decide to feed the spirit. And it's in this opposition that we can now be led by the spirit. We can, be, we can choose. And that's really what he wants. He wants us to choose which desire to operate in. And so I told you, we exercise our authority by seizing desires. Here Paul is referring to that first one. If you remember, it's to command, to overrun, to force. And quite literally, I can put to death desires of the flesh. But honestly, many of us, um, we stand in a passive tone to our flesh. We really do. We sometimes just hope that our sin patterns just go away if we don't think about them. And often, like, we, we don't seize, we don't command, we don't overrun, we don't force, we don't rebuke the devil and take a stand. Like, that word rebuke is, like, it's a, a fight kind of word. Like, it's, it's an action. And often we stand very passive and just hope that our flesh is going to get better as we, you know, do the responsibilities of the day. Some of you, your house is looking really clean, but your heart isn't. You feel me? Like, you're doing a lot of things, but we're very passive to command, to overrun, to force the flesh, the desires of the flesh. It's really interesting. You're not going to like this. Some of you aren't going to like hearing this, but God does not desire to change you on his own. Now, I need you to hear that. His desire was to save you on his own. He is the mighty deliverer. He knew that on your own, you couldn't. Anything that you could do would just lead you more into disparity. But he knew, I will save you on their own. But now our God is so good that he does not want you to be changed on your own. Actually, the work of sanctification is the mighty work of the Holy Spirit partnering with you to bring you to completion. And so now, God does not just say, I'm going to change them and then do it. No, he's, he's a good God. He says, I desire to change them, but I want to do it with them. I want to speak, and I want them to speak. I want to walk, and I want them to walk with me. And so many of the times, he's walking. Your, some of your conversations with the Lord have been this, God, can you just take this evil desire from me, and then I'll be good. Some of you have said that. Can you just take this sin problem from me, God? If you just take it away, I will be, everything will be better. And the Father's like, I, 
I'm not a taker. That's my desire is for you to want me so much that you lay it down. My desire is for you to want me so much that you don't do it, that you desire me. And that's the hard thing of, of owning our, our authority. Like exercising the authority is not, I'm so powerless, I need God to take this from me. Owning the authority is God took death from me, and so now I have the authority over dead things. Do you hear that? Like, so now I'm going to seize, I'm going to command, I'm going to overrun, I'm going to force. I'm not powerless. Everything behind me submits to the mighty name of Jesus, which I'm now hidden in. So I take command over that. I take command over it. We do as, ba- as Paul says, like, I beat my slave. I discipline my body. I make it my slave. Why? Because I desire to be one with God. And I know my flesh, if left to its own devices, is just, I mean, gonna decay, right? It's just gonna get worse and worse and worse. So we command, we overrun, we force, we take captive, we rebuke, we seize. Now that isn't all, right? Please hear me. This is, this is, I need you to hear this. This is not a just stop sinning message, okay? I promise. This is not a, if you would just stop doing the thing, everything would be better message. It's not, because there's two parts. There, there are many believers who have delivered a gospel that says stop sinning and things will be better. But we deliver a gospel that says it's out of life or out of death and unto life. So we can't just stop sinning and be good. You must stop one master and cling to another, right? There's two parts to this. We, we have to seize death and then seize life. There's two parts. I get it. But I'm sitting in this. This is my little soapbox. I'm just sitting in this for a, a bit because many of, my, like many of us, and myself included, we want the things that newness of life will provide, but we want the things that newness of life will provide as we sit in the things that are hurting us in death. You hear me? We often want the peace that God has for us, but we want it to be this little sprinkle on the messy and angry and, and frustrated and, and uh, prideful life that we live. And so we want the things of God, but we want it into our things of death. This is why we have to speak again and again. It's not just take God's goodness. I mean, some of you have literally had a relationship with the Lord and the church so much that, that it's just you come to a Sunday, get the things that are going to be good additives into your life, but they're additives into your life. The Holy Spirit is not an additive into your life. The, the God of all the universe, like, he's not an additive into your life. He is my life. And so now we have to now say, God, if you want this, it demands me to leave this. So it is not just about not sinning. It's about clinging to the Lord. But it's also not just about you striving and trying to cling to the Lord. Because many of you know we can't. It's about like this, this taking authority 
and then standing in authority. It's this beautiful back and forth that's constantly happening. And a little freebie, I, I thought about this, uh, this little freebie, like I cannot seize or grasp the things of God without walking in the way of Jesus. And that's not a point. But like, quite literally, if you want to like discover who you are, walk the way of Jesus, who decided I'm going to live to die. Like I'm, everything I do is going to be for to the purpose of sacrificing my life for them. And so now in order for me to experience the way of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, it has to be through that same thing, death, where every day I say, I'm going to die to myself. Every day I must be crucified with Christ and claim I no longer live, but it's him who lives in me and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who died for me, who gave his life for me. And so now it's always through death that I walk. The way of Jesus must be the full way of Jesus, not just looking at it, oh, if I just love people in my work, if I just am kind to someone, I will show them Jesus. No, I must be dead to myself. I must, I must end the old self, cling to his authority, who he is in the new, and then keep moving. And so the Spirit of God, he's given us life, abundant life. So yes, it's not a just stop sinning message. But I just, I just the Spirit of the living God he is speaking again and again into my life. He's saying, Lazarus, arise. Think about it. I just believe God is speaking into your bad attitude. And he's just saying, Lazarus, arise. And you get to choose whether you do it. He's speaking into your lust problems every day. And he's saying, Lazarus, arise. He's speaking into your drinking issues. Like he's speaking into your, your addiction and he's speaking, Lazarus, arise. But you have this opportunity every day, just like me, just like that man on the, with the mat at the pool of, of, of Siloam. Like you have the opportunity to arise or to stay. But either way, you've got to seize a desire. It's either you seize that desire, you force the flesh down, and you say, I'm, I'm going to stand with these legs that he's given me and the authority that he's giving me. Or we keep moving in the tomb of our fear. Some of you know our fear is like a nasty little tomb. We feel locked in it. He's saying, Lazarus, arise. Like the crippled man, arise, arise. And then Paul names some of the things that he's calling us out of as the story continues in, in Galatians 6. He says, the deeds of the flesh, they are evident. They are evident. And maybe you've never like actually set in this. I'm going to do it really quickly. Uh, it says, the deeds of the flesh, immorality, sexual sins of a general kind is the deeds of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, impurities. Impurity is anything that tarnishes our mind, tarnishes our, our thoughts, our perspective, our bodies, anything. Sensuality, debauchery, that word literally means to be unrestrained in our moral attitude or our behavior. That's a fruit of the flesh, to be unrestrained. Idolatry, things that command our money, our resources, our time, our worship, our beliefs, idolatry. 
sorcery. This, this actually, has, I was just praying through this. The scripture talks about the arrogance of sorcery, like the witchcraft being arrogant. And I really think that modern day sorcery is this, this mindset that we get in where we think we can get whatever we want by just being smart enough, witty enough. And it's sorcery. It, I'm, I'm trying to manipulate the odds. I'm trying to manipulate the physical realm to get what I want. That's what sorcery is, to manipulate everything to get my way. <sighs> we do that, right? To manipulate things so that my way goes. Sorcery. Enmities, which is hostility, strife, which is fighting, jealousy. Here that word jealousy means to have this zeal or this fervor or this fight for things that are not the will of God. It's a little different. Envy is down there. So envy and jealousy, you say one-on-one. No, some of us are zealous for things that our flesh wants. And it's contrary to the way of the Lord. He continues, outbursts of anger. Not I, right? I don't do that. He says disputes, arguments, dissensions, which is choosing, some of you need to hear, choosing to stand apart from others who you're called to stand with. Factions, creating cliques or friendships based off of the opinions of the flesh and not the way of the spirit. Creating friendships based off of what wounds you've had, how other people have hurt you. That's a faction. It's okay. That's why our small, like our small groups, we don't have small groups based off of pains or struggles or what you're trying to work through. Because I don't want you to feel united in your sin. You should feel united in the Savior. And so a faction comes as we begin creating this conversation, the only, because then guess what you're believing? The only people who really get me are the people who are sinning just like me. That is a lie straight from hell. No, the people who get you are the people who have the mind of Christ because they can get you. They can see you. They can say, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand right. So there's a different, factions are huge in the church. We like to go around people who do the same things we do because it makes us feel seen. And the Lord says, come to me, child, you're seen as you are. Another one is envying, the wanting, the desiring, the lusting for what isn't yours, drunkenness, the absence of having a clear mind or clear intentions. And then the last one, orgies, this fleshly sexual pleasing of oneself that is outside the will of God, the favor of God, dare I even say the satisfaction of God. God wants you to be satisfied in sex, but our flesh wants it too. So there's a difference. This is opposition. And so Paul is saying, these are the fruits of the flesh. And then he goes on to say, like, the ones who uh, do these things, who practice these things, and that word means who partner with these things, who have an ongoing relative relationship with these things, they will be far from the inheritance of the kingdom. That's not how I made you That's not how you are to be. That's not what you've been redeemed from. And if we're honest, though, we still have today fruits in our life that are produced from our flesh, right? 
We do. We have fruits in our life that are produced. And maybe as you've fasted, um, I just want to give like honor where honor is due. Maybe while you've been fasting, you begin realizing like, I don't, I don't have this finished. This desire for X, Y, Z, this thought, this attitude is still in me. And maybe you're restless. Maybe you're, you're, you're hit with it. I, honestly, I feel in the room, there might even be a handful of you who have experienced a new level of shame and guilt because you should be done with these things. So why are you feeling them so heavy? And so I just wanted to give honor here and just pause and pray over your heart because I feel like some of you feel hopeless as you read this. Some of you feel heavy. But what I love is God knew, Jesus got into the boat with the disciples knowing that a storm was going to come and knowing that they already did not have the faith to believe him, that he was, he was the Lord. But he still wanted to walk with them through it. Does this make sense? The, the, when the storm happened, they were afraid. It says that they doubted him. They, they did not believe he was the son of God they, in their heart of hearts. But it was not the storm that made them not believe. It was the storm that brought it out. Okay? It's not the fast that's making these desires go even greater. It's the fast. God is using the fast to allow these things to come out. But guess what? He knew they were there anyways. And he got in the boat with you because he loves you. He knew they were there anyways. But he's there with you. And so in this place, God, right now, I just pray that you move and you say, peace, be still. To the heart that is aching with the weight of their anger, their envy, their jealousy. To the heart that is realizing just how nasty their, their immorality of their past has been who have maybe felt even more damaged during the fast, that the enemy has come and spoken so much lies. Father, I pray right now your refuge over them. That they can see that these things were not created by the fast. They are leftovers of the old self that they are not powerless to. That they are not, they are not controlled by. But God, give them the authority as we move forward to seize, to force, to overrun, to rebuke the devil in his ways and his words, and to take a stand. Holy Spirit, I pray this week there will be victory, where last week there were small absences and, 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 and hits on our character. This week there will be victory. Some of you will put down that phone. Some of you will put down that drink. Some of you will sit aside those idle thoughts. Some of you are going to command fear to leave and it will leave. So Holy Spirit, bring peace in this room as we continue your word. Because I told you it was twofold. Paul continues in verse 22 and he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against these things, there is no law. None of those who belong to Christ Jesus, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. What I love about this, if God has brought you unto life by His Spirit, now we get to choose to daily live by Him, walk with Him, be in step with Him. And what I love, if I can do this for you, let, I'm just going to really quickly change the way that you thought of the fruit of the Spirit. What's really neat is uh, in our English language, the word fruit can sometimes be plural, even though fruits is also a word, but sometimes we're like, hey, what fruit are you eating? And then they say, oh, I'm eating grapes today. And so fruit can sometimes in our mind like be plural. This word is completely singular, meaning there is one fruit of the Spirit that manifests itself in different ways. What? It's really cool. Quite literally, it's, it's not that I need to grow in patience. It's I need to trust that when the moment comes that I need to be patient, the fruit of the Spirit will flow. Does this make sense? It's really cool. Like if you think about it this way, it's not there are many fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit that no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, He will produce what I need. He will produce what has to happen. As I walk by the Spirit, do not gratify those desires I've been seized, but now I've got some seizing in front of me to do. And so it's really cool, but we can also split them into three things. So if I can sit with you in this, there's nine of them. Paul actually, many theologians think, has uh, split these into three different categories. We got the love, the joy, the peace. Many believe that this is an interior, inward version of the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. Love is an inward thing that we experience that then flows through us. Joy, it's outside of us, but it starts from within, right? You feel joy in the depths of your heart. Peace is in. So this first little section is the habits of the mind, the inner man, that there is a a fruit that is produced as you sow the Word of God. Some of you are like, I struggle with love. And the answer is, well, what are you sowing? What are you putting, like, because love is produced from the word of God in us. Peace, I, I just haven't had peace. Where is his peace at? Well, it's an inward thing that is produced as we sow from the, in the spirit, which means as we, what are you putting in? Are you putting in his word? Are you putting in his character? And so then the second ones are really cool. The second is the manifestations of God's fruit as we interact with other people, as it reaches out beyond us. Now, it has to have love, joy, and peace in it, but now there is patience, kindness, goodness. Quite literally, what it's saying is now, like, in the Lord, I can now have his hesed, Remember that? His loving kindness. Now I, I can reach out and cross boundaries. That, that, like the Lord crosses relational boundaries. I can. And, and it's this, as we extend to other people, and the last little section of the fruit is the faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the surrounding like temperament that we have. right? It's the surrounding temperament, the countenance that we leave others with. Some of you, like, if I said, who's the most faithful person you know, you would know it really quickly. It's, the, it's like the taste in your mouth as they leave, their goodness or their gentleness, right? You know a gentle person, a self-controlled man, 
Like, you know when someone's really faithful, they just leave you with it. Dare I say, it, this gets into our legacy that we leave with people. The lasting remembrance is, was I faithful? Those are the fruit of the Spirit. It's really beautiful. But we can also say the fruit of the flesh has a little bit of a legacy attached, right? A little lasting taste in the mouth. And so there's this beautiful thing that we can do. And now Paul says, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. What I think is cool is we are the, talk to anyone who's, who's not saved and they're not going to like this. But if you are saved in the room, you are the only people in all of the world who can say no to sin and who can say yes to obedience. That's literally what Paul is saying. Take authority, say no to that, and say yes to him. And the only way to produce the fruit, the singular fruit of the Spirit, is to consistently say no and yes And then, as Paul says, let your no be no and your yes be a yes. We are the only people in the whole creation who actually can obey Jesus because you've been redeemed from death to life. And so now we can. And now we do. This is the Father, like, choosing. And so what this is, like, he's seizing and he's taking. So the Father, on on day one of creation... Scripture says that he looked out into the empty void and he saw that it was formless. And then he looked at himself and he decided, he desired, I'm going to make this light and dark. I'm going to make a separation. And so he spoke it to be. Day two, he looked out, looked at himself, desired to change it, to bring life. And so he spoke it. Day three, day four, all the way to day six when he decided, he looked at himself, let us make man in our image. You see the Lord, he seizes his desires, but it's the other one. You remember the second meaning, if you want to put it up for them, uh, it's to take initiative, to take hold of, to take possession of. That now in Jesus, you have many things that are in the hand of the Lord, many things that are in the desires of God that if you would realize your authority, you would begin taking initiative in the desires of God, and man, things would be created around you. Reconciliation would abound. Transformation would happen. There are things that desires of the Lord that are before you every day that if you would just take hold of, if you would just take the possession of, say, this is my lot, this is my place, like this is the ground that I'm supposed to be leading in, this is my family, and so I will lead in it. And we have the authority to do so. But as Paul says, like, there is the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, which means, um, They're only going to be produced based off what you sow, what you put in, what you do. I mean, I think many many days I have the ability to either desire of the flesh, which is going to end in the fruit of the flesh, or I can cling to the desires of the Lord, who literally every day is desiring something around you. He's desiring something for you. He's desiring something in, in your cubicle at work. He has a desire in his heart for your neighbor. Are you going to take initiative on that desire? Like, you have the authority to. Like, he has a desire for our church 
Some of you, you could take possession of it. All right, we're, he has a desire for the people on our streets. Are you going to take hold of God's desire for them? Like this is when transformation happens, when we take authority from the daily desires of the Lord, his daily initiative to be like his invitation. Hey, can you be with me in this? God, what are you desiring today? Maybe that should be your prayer, a little quick prayer. God, what are you desiring today? What are you desiring today? Because Paul continues and he gets very practical as as this section ends. He says, let us not be boastful. Don't challenge one another, which I love. Like he's literally saying, hey, stop desiring arrogance, all right? Stop desiring your name to be better, your voice to be louder, yours ways to be had. Stop challenging one another. Uh, Seize that desire. End it. Don't be boastful. Don't envy, he says. Do not plant those seeds so that they don't bear fruit. But then it says, if anyone is caught in a trespass, if you know anyone in your life who sinned, guess what desire of the Lord you're supposed to seize? Restoration. Restore them. That means every single day, you're not exercising your authority if you're not restoring the people of God around you. Quite literally, restore them, because why? What happens, what is produced in you, you glean, you produce the fruit of gentleness. In a gentle spirit, I will do it. And it's this beautiful working of the Holy Spirit, like quite literally, you have the authority to restore someone. That's pretty powerful. But he continues, like, each of you look to yourself so that you won't be tempted. So stop looking at what you don't have. Stop looking at what you wish you had. Stop looking at at the, the meal that they have over there. Be content with what the Lord has for you. Because it's in this that his desires are that you should take hold of. It's in the plate before you that he's going to operate. He's going to work. And bear with one another. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. Bear one another's burdens. Quite literally, as I live life with you, I have to start being patient for you, right? I have to be kind. I have to choose to seize God's thoughts for you. And as that happens, we begin fulfilling the law of Christ. Why? Because where two or more are gathered, there he is. Why? Because then we become the image of Jesus in this world. As I bear burdens with you and you bear burdens with me, we are the image of Jesus. It's pretty beautiful. We showcase his law, his rule, his reign. And then, verse 7, I want to end to make sure I get all of this. Verse 7, Paul continues in this last little section, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Which, quite literally, Paul's just ending the section saying, like, there's just a natural order what you put in the ground is going to grow. And God's not going to be mocked. So stop trying to think, if I just do this and do this, it'll be a beautiful garden. No, it's going to be a messed up garden. And those weeds will quench the, the fruit, right? I think we've all seen that. If I, don't, if, I, if I just try to plant beautiful things, beautiful things, but not deal with the weeds, it'll be okay. But God will not be mocked. He says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. And so if you sow in the flesh, you will reap from the flesh corruption. Now, let me protect your heart against the Lord. Some of you have been pretty angry at God for the things that your sins have caused you. 
And you're like, this must just be God's punishment on me for doing that bad thing or, 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 or sleeping with so-and-so and this is the punishment or, or drinking that and this is, Scripture very clearly says God does not punish you for that sin. Why would I punish my child when they burn their hand on a stove? The burning of the hand is punishment enough. So many of us, sin reaps corruption. It's from the flesh, not from the Lord, that corruption. That word corruption, it means decay. It means rot. It means destruction. But in the same way, as we sow in the Spirit, it is from the Spirit that life comes, and life abundantly. That every day I get to choose, will I either like sit in rot of my mind? And some of you feel it. If you just... You feel the decay of your thoughts. You feel the, the, just the decomposing nature of your hope as you sit in that sin. And it's not God taking it away. It's this flesh reaping decay. But as I sow in the Spirit, there is life. And then verse 9 happens, which is one that I broke on many of the times the past two weeks. Um, it's a promise of the Lord. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not lose heart because promise you, beloved, if you keep sowing in the Lord in due time, you will reap the harvest. It is coming. And this is what the Lord kept saying to me this week, like, Greg, do not despise doing what is right. And very specifically, like, as you get into this, like, uh, do not despise, like, do what is good. Seek the eternal satisfaction over the temporal gratification. And don't, don't feel weary when you don't feel it yet. It's good. It's worth it. Another one in choosing to bless people instead of your flesh wanting to curse people. Some of you want to get angry and just prove yourself right. Wait, beloved. Don't give up on doing good because you will reap it. Another one that I, that I wrote down is moving in thankfulness rather than in arrogance. Beloved, I know you just want to be puffed up, but do not forsake doing good Choose to be thankful right now. And taking hold of God's thoughts for someone instead of your frustrations. Do not grow weary in doing good. For out of it will come a harvest. And so then he says, no matter the opportunity, while we still have it, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in faith. And then he's done. But as we end this morning... I want to bring you back to that phrase, exercise your authority. Exercise your authority. And so again, as we sit here, a little twofold ending. Some of you to exercise your authority, you need to start at the beginning. What is it that you have submitted in powerlessness under that you need to start seizing and overrunning because you're not powerless in the name of Jesus? So what do you need to seize that is in death that you need to get out of? Because God has said, Lazarus, arise. 
And the others of you, what do you need to take hold of in the life that the Lord has called you to? What do you need to take initiative on, take possession on? Well, no one else is doing it. That's because God has given you, you the desire to do it. Well, no one else is doing it with me, and I just take the initiative, seize it. And so as we do this, what does it look like for you to take the authority? Ben, you guys can come up while I pray. Father, in this place, I just pray for your church. I pray that we realize and open our eyes that none of this is possible without your son. So Lord, would you just, would you just make it very known to them? The ones who felt heavy as I was reading the flesh, the, the fruit of the flesh. May they right now have the strength to put it down, to seize, to take hold of, to confess. Scripture says to confess our sins, and he is faithful, and he is just to, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That word cleanse is not a, 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 a salvific cleanse. That is a cleansing of the mind that I need daily. Thanks for listening to The Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.